but I got to Rome and I got a train ticket to Arezzo. Um, and it's like a three hour train ride or something like that. And they're crowded and I'm moving through the train trying to find a, a carriage that might have a seat. And I finally find one. And there was only one person in it. So I sort of open the door and smile at her and she smiles at me and I sit down across from her. Mm-hmm. She goes back to her knitting and I <laughs> stare out the window or something. And this woman was a black Muslim woman. She had on a head wrap mm. um, and no one wanted to sit in the carriage with her except me. That's why it was empty. Oh, my goodness. And nobody else came in for the entirety of my ride to Arezzo. Wow. It's not like I took any notice when I sat down. It was just like, oh, there's a free carriage. And hey, there's a black lady. This is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. Won't you come along with me? Hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Jessica, or Jess, as the guest. Jessica is a writer and a librarian and a romance enthusiast. She reads tons of romance, she writes articles about romance books, and she even has a podcast she co-hosts called When in Romance, where she talks about romance novels. So suffice it to say that Jessica loves love stories and is an expert on the romance genre. I don't know if you would call yourself an expert, Jessica, but I'm just going to go ahead and call you that anyway. Um, (laughs) Another thing that Jessica has been into for a while is Italy. While an undergrad, Jessica did an interdisciplinary program where much of her studies focused on early modern Italy. And as part of that, she studied Italian. And because she studied Italian, she got to uh, participate in a six-week intensive Italian language program with a bunch of other students from her university in Tuscany, specifically a city called Arezzo. And I had never heard of Arezzo, so I was really glad to get Jessica to (laughs) tell me about what that place is like and what it was like living and studying there, and also what it was like to hop around and visit various Italian cities on the weekends. You know, she had a really good time. And of course, we also touched on her Italian proficiency, which made lots of progress during that time, and also included some pretty interesting faux pas. (laughs) So all that is there in this conversation. Um, And also, uh, you might remember at the end of the third anniversary episode, of Young, Gifted, and Abroad that I put out on Juneteenth this year, so a couple months ago, I talked about how I have gradually been um, getting into reading more romance and how I think everyone should give it a try. And so, of course, I took the opportunity to ask Jessica about you know, how new romance readers can get started and also what she personally feels is the appeal of reading romance and why it's so worthwhile. So I hope you learn something from what she has to say in that regard, uh, because I know I did. And last but not least, before I let y'all hear this interview, I do have to say that I somehow forgot to ask Jessica the question that I ask every guest at the end of our conversations, which is about how people can um, follow her online or keep up with what she's doing and so since jessica didn't get a chance to say it herself i'll just go ahead and say it here so if you listen to this interview and think jessica seems pretty cool and you want to see what she's got going on in the future then you can find jessica on twitter her handle there is at jess is reading and on instagram at jess underscore is underscore reading and then also her website, jessicapride.com. And that's pride with a Y, so P-R-Y-D-E. Okay, so without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Jessica Pride. Thank you for... <laughs> 
agreeing to be a guest on the show and um, responding to me, uh, um, a complete stranger. I really appreciate <laughs> appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to sit with and talk with me today. And it's nice to meet you, of course, Absolutely. you know. You too. <laughs> Thank you for reaching out. Like, this is like a, a cool thing to discover exists, so... <laughs> Oh, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> glad to hear it. Why don't we go ahead and get started with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind. Okay, sure. Um, my name is Jessica Pride. I am a librarian in uh, Southern Arizona. I also am a contributing editor for Book Riot, which is mm. a an editorial site about various book things and I co-host a podcast for them called When in Romance because I love romance novels. Wow, so so much of your life is is book focused, which I think is so, so much. great. <laughs> yeah. As someone who I like I'm a very avid reader, so it's cool that you've been able to have so much of your life revolve around books. Um does it get tiring at all? It it doesn't get tiring, the whole book thing, but it does kind of get overwhelming sometimes just because, you know, there are so many books and yeah. there's so little time and we have to be able to work in order to, like, feed ourselves and house right. ourselves so we can't just live in a world where we just read books all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be nice if we could, though, right? <laughs> it would be so great. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I might have some questions to ask you uh, later in our conversation about especially the whole romance part of your your field of expertise. Um, but first, I was really interested to talk to you because I, I saw that you had you studied in a place in Italy, which I'd never heard of, um, mm-hmm. which isn't it isn't so big of a thing because it's not like I'm an, an expert on Italy. I don't have a special interest in Italy, but I was like, oh, I never heard of that place before. And I, I'm not sure, is it Arezzo? I don't know if I'm even pronouncing uh, it correctly. Yeah, it's like a hard T, the double Z is, it's like Mozart, so Arezzo. Arezzo, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you studied there, if I remember, it was like a intensive language thing that you did, right? Yes. Okay, yes. so... Um, it was, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, no, I, I was just going to ask, assuming that you were there to study Italian, like, you know, where did your interests in Italian come from and how did you end up doing that specific program that you did? Um, I don't know where my original interest in Italian came from. It was sort of a like, it wasn't like a language that I heard at home all the time, but like I grew up in a intergenerational household and my grandma loved like opera and movies that also had opera in them. So when I got to college, I was looking at programs, I found this program called the Interdisciplinary Project in the Humanities, which was kind of a cross-discipline, almost create your own. It had like core classes that everyone had to take, but then you kind of went your own direction Mm. and you had to choose a language. So I figured, you know, I'd studied French and Spanish in school, in grade school, and I wanted to do that was familiar, but different. So I went ahead and chose Italian. Mm. Um, and so I did like a year of introductory Italian, and then they offer people who finish 101 and 102 or whatever it was a chance to do this language intensive. It was a six-week intensive. It was kind of like 103. You still had to go to 201 the next semester, but it was it was like you were supposed to definitely be able to communicate in Italian with you know, a medium-sized vocabulary by the time you went home mm. um, at the end of the six weeks. So it was it was really a really interesting program. And I think the the university probably has a partnership with the place where we stayed. Um, it was a youth hostel, but it was a, a like 18th century villa. So we were on this like, all we all stayed like, I think there were 25 of us in this Tuscan Villa. Hmm. Um, wow. And we we had meals there. We had class there. So it was a very closed-in thing. We weren't staying with host families or anything like that. Hmm. And we had two teachers who came with us that were from the university. Oh, okay. So it was, yeah. 
That was a that was a lot. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I appreciate um, your description of the program. You know, it's helping me paint a picture of it in my mind. So yeah, so you started studying Italian in college, and then you were able to participate in this program. So well, like when you were like studying Italian in um, Arezzo, was that mm-hmm. in collaboration with another university, or was that all a program that you your home university was running? I think it was all them. They, okay. We were all all students from the same college. I knew the half of them had been in my classes before. Okay. Um, and I think that same teacher taught my next level of Italian. So he had higher expectations for those of us who had done that that intensive. Ah, I see. <laughs> in class. I see. Yeah. So the pressure was on when you um when you got back. So that's nice. You had that sense of familiarity I guess and that it was students that you knew and professors that you knew and it was through your university that you already used to um did you feel well I I guess let me backtrack going to Italy was that your first time traveling outside of the states or had you been elsewhere like traveled elsewhere internationally before that time that was the first time I had gone out of the U.S. And I think it might still be the only time that I've left the country, like even Canada and Mexico, even though I live like 60 miles away from Mexico. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was the first time that I traveled out of the country, I think. And I remember I remember getting my passport for it because it was like January in D.C. and I was incredibly pale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, <laughs> so just like look, looking at that passport photo, which stuck with me for 15 years, you know, and then I moved to Arizona and have a permanent um, Arizona tan. And it's like, that's not the same person. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but that's, but yeah, it, it was the first time I had left the country. And it was kind of a bit of a harrowing experience, not even like the prep for it. I was, I was like geared up and ready to go. And then you know, my, I was traveling out of the country alone at 19 and my flight out of DC got delayed like two and a half hours because of rainstorms. Mm. So I missed my connecting flight in Germany and was by myself. Everyone was meeting up in Rome to like take a bus to Arezzo and I had to wait in Munich, I think, for like hours. And, you know, since I was by myself and didn't know how to travel, Mm. you know, like, because who knows how to, who knows how to do international travel, even if, (laughs) even if they've done it before, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like crying. The poor German people are like, we're going to get you there. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm calling my mother. I'm calling my teacher. And it was just, um, but, we figured things out and then, you know, I got there and it was fine. And uh, we had the internet so I could, I could use internet cafes like in Italy when I, when I was there. Mm-hmm. Never really figured out the phone card thing. So I'm not sure if I talked to my mother at all for like six weeks. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was an experience. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh man. Um. <laughs> I'm sorry that you, you know, had that, those delays, but I mean, it's good that you had people who were willing to um, reassure you that things would be okay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're just like, what do we do? <laughs> There's this black girl crying at my counter. I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Yeah. So you did get there, which is great. You know, six weeks studying Italian. So is that what you did? Kind of like day in and day out was just be in Italian class? I mean, do you remember how things were structured in terms of you all making progress in your Italian? Essentially, it was a, it was like five hours a day of Italian. But sort of in that way where you're learning the language, but you're also reading literature and learning history and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I know we had like a book and I remember reading stories that were like, you know, easy, low level Italian stories, but also 
all of our meals had to be conducted in Ita- in Italian. Like conversation at meals had to be in Italian, mm-hmm. um, and class was taught as much as it could be in Italian. So you know, we were in rooms with like four, three or four people each on either side of the villa, and then we had the big classroom in the middle. Hmm. So we would hang out there um, when we weren't in class and go downstairs for breakfast and come back upstairs for more class. And then we had we had weekends kind of off, like we had class in the morning on Friday. And then we had a couple group trips where we went to like uh, Venice and we went to Rimini, which is kind of like a party town, hmm. which was kind of fun. Okay. Um, but then we could... <laughs> We could, like, plan trips on our own. So a lot of times a group of us would decide we were going to go to the Amalfi Coast or we were going to go to Cinque Terre or Florence or something. And then we had to be back on Sunday night um, for dinner and then Monday start up again. Hmm. Okay. Wow, so it seems like y'all were kind of busy even considering that was you know, only six weeks. I would think that that would fly by, but it seems like y'all also filled out your time with all these different kinds of experiences as well. Yeah, thinking thinking back, it was a lot. It felt like we had a lot of free time when we were there because we would have like the after, after um, I think we'd have like a post-pronzo lesson for a couple hours and then we'd have um, kind of siesta, really. But then we, we discovered we would like go out, go down into town and realize that everyone had siesta from like four to seven, like oh. all the shops were closed. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> okay, I guess, I guess we'll just go back to the villa and hang out in a field or <laughs> something. Oh, okay, yeah. And you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned how it was like enclosed, but I didn't realize how like, Everything was in the same building, like you were describing, like your living areas and then also where your class was. So everything was like in one building. Right there. Which must have been really convenient. Um, And maybe, well, I guess it depends on the type of person you are. Maybe it would be tempting to just stay there all day. But, you know, like you said, you all got out and, you know, did other things and kind of not really miss out on anything. That's, I feel like that's really great as well. Or, I mean, I don't know. Do you feel like there's anything that you missed out on during your time in Arezzo? Well, like, there's so much of Italy that would be cool to see. Having just, like, four weekends to do it all Mm -hmm. wasn't enough. So there are definitely places that I sort of wish I had gone. Maybe not instead of the places that I went, because all of my weekend trips were were pretty fun. But I just wish that I had been able to do a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was in Rome for less than 24 hours each time oh. at the beginning and at the end. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, oh, I see the Vatican way over on that other hillside. Hi, Vatican. Um, <laughs> Catch you next like, time. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was a nice balance of going out and then like there were times where like people we all just sort of wanted to hang out in the big classroom area at the end of a day and Mm -hmm. do our own thing because some people would want like it was the it was the year the um the third star wars movie came out in the prequel trilogy so some people like wandered down to town and went to see that Mm. with subtitles and it's like y'all have fun i'm gonna sit here and write in my journal or you know whatever um and so you know I think, like I said, I think there were like 25 of us and we spent a lot of time together. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it was nice to just find that time to be alone. Yeah. I hear you. And sometimes that was just like laying in my bed. Like I, you know, we talked about how I'm a book person. When we did long train rides, I definitely, I like, I didn't take any books with me, but luckily there are a lot of places that sell English language books, um, in Italy. So like Mm. I, remember getting the time traveler's wife for our last trip and everybody was like all right we're going to the beach and i'm like i'm gonna lay in here and finish my book and then i'll see you down there (laughs) that actually sounds really nice i'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah it's like thinking back to 10 years later or however long it's 15 wow um it's like i could have taken the book down to the beach but really i just wanted to be by myself (laughs) yeah no i totally feel that sometimes you really need that time and, and with a book, 
if you know if you're someone who enjoys reading just to have that time to yourself just to read and not have any mm-hmm. other um interruptions or distractions or anything or just you know just not having to interact with people for a bit and you can just like escape into whatever you're reading yeah i i totally mm-hmm. get that oh i did have a question in terms of um in terms of learning italian so i don't i don't know if you know a show called summertime it's on netflix mm. Um, yeah, I've seen a few episodes of it. I was actually doing a group watch with some friends, and then we sort of fell off of it. Oh, I see. Okay. I, I bring it up because, you know, I started, I, I watched the first season, and I, I realized, you know, because I'm watching it with English subtitles because I don't know Italian, but I would hear them talk, mm-hmm. and um, I have studied French for a really long time, and so I would recognize certain words or I would be able to guess what certain words meant that they were saying because they sounded like French words um and then mm-hmm. e- and even here and there I recognize um just like some Spanish words never studied Spanish but just words that stick out that it sounds similar in Spanish and so I'm wondering if for you since you had studied French I, th- I think you said French and Spanish in high school did that help in any way at mm-hmm. all in terms of understanding Italian, um, like learning it for yourself or even just being able to navigate your surroundings and recognize certain words or phrases? It definitely helped. It, I, I studied mostly Spanish. Like I studied French in like middle school mm. um, and then did Spanish in high school. And, you know, having learned that kind of romance language with doing conjugations and how sentences are, are created, mm-hmm. Um, kind of helped, but then it sort of trips you up because you think you know what a word might mean or what a phrase might be. And there is just that slight difference that makes it so that's not actually what that word means Mm -hmm. or that's not what, how they're saying it. Like, (laughs) um, for instance, like I, I, Occasionally, you have to use public bathrooms when you're visiting a foreign country. Mm-hmm. And uh, there there was an older gentleman with a jar. I realized, like, six years later that I should have, like, put a tip in the jar, but I didn't. And I was kind of, like, frazzled. And I said, um, sono finito. And he was like, sei finito? And I was like, oh, oh, finito. Because saying sono finito means I am dead. Oh. Oh, finito <laughs> is... I have finished. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. <laughs> so it's like, I'm done. And it's like, you're dead. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, there's lo- those little things mm-hmm. that will trip you up, even yeah. if you've studied a, a similar language. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, I know I was saying, you know, I could recognize certain words when I was watching Summertime, but I obviously wouldn't go to Italy or try to speak to an Italian person and just wing it based on (laughs) my knowledge of a different language. You know, that would be very... It just wouldn't be a very wise thing to do, you know? (laughs) So... Yeah. um, Well, you know, I have seen... Two people have a conversation where one of them was speaking Italian and one of them was speaking in Spanish. They were here and like they each had limited understanding of the other language and Mm -hmm. neither of them really spoke English very well. But they figured out what they needed to do in in those two languages. Yeah. you, You might be able to pull it off. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, those are, I guess that's part of the learning process, you know, saying things that you think you mean one thing and then you know you're telling someone you're dead when that's not what you meant to say (laughs) you know it's it's all part of the process so um but you still remember right so that was like a learning experience (laughs) you remember what the difference is yes it was (laughs) oh it's like i might not remember it in the i might not have remembered it in the classroom but i definitely remember it now yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure um oh and and about Arezzo I guess this is what I meant to lead with and I forgot but like I know it's in Tuscany but like mm-hmm. as far as Arezzo itself how would you describe uh, Arezzo as a as a place um you know like what stands it, out about it what kind of place was it for for you to live in for that period of time It's an interesting city because like it's like nickname or whatever is like Città dell'Oro, which is city of gold. It was like one of apparently at one point it was one of the wealthiest cities, Um, probably helpfully indicated by 
Villa Severi, where we were staying, um, which, you know, is, it sits on the edge of town. It's got like hills with vineyards behind it. You mm. definitely know you're in Tuscany. Um, and then you walk into the city and it's got like a medieval wall that's filled with concrete from the war, like World War Two, mm. um, because, you know, parts of it had been destroyed by that point. And, you know, it's the city itself. At least the city center is still very kind of medieval looking when you're walking past the wall in these like winding streets with old, old row houses, some of them with shops in them. There was a really lovely bookseller there. Um, and they have like a village green with more like cart shops and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they also have like a Ferrari store. Oh. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, like really expensive shops that it was like, I don't think we should go in there. (laughs) Um, And so it's like a really interesting combination of like plain people living their day and people who like commute into Florence. Like there, I think the, the express train is like an hour into Florence. So people. Uh, live there and commute in like oh. somebody would live in Connecticut and commute into New York. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting combination of old and new and uh, like very obviously wealthy and just kind of like this rustic town. Hmm. So, <laughs> and you know, I went there in 2006. So, or five, 2005, I think. Um, so there were like, there was a internet cafe and you go downstairs and you use the computer and I updated like my, I don't even think I had a live journal at that point. I think it was like a Zanga or something. Mm, um, wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a big grocery store on the edge of town, but there's also like food stalls and, you know, farmer, farm shops and that kind of thing. So, mm. um, very much, a if you have the money and want to be in Tuscany, stay there. <laughs> kind of place yeah okay yeah that does sound interesting like you said the mixture of um from what it sounds like it was you know a pretty chill place to to be living in i do have a question and maybe this is something that you have gotten or heard uh plenty of times before and if that's the case i apologize for the overkill um but one of the things that i always hear about italy Especially when it comes to black people going to Italy, is that Italy is like super racist, super anti-black specifically. And mm-hmm. um, what are your thoughts on that? That perception that Italians are super racist, super anti-black. It's something that I've been thinking about and trying to like sort of figure out because I think that there were elements of my trip that showed that it was that Italy is definitely super racist and elements that or that point to the fact that a since I was with like 85% a group that was like 85% white and also obviously American mm-hmm. I was treated differently um mm. but the the racism thing actually like was a very proven point on day 1 I oh, no. got to Rome not it wasn't towards me but I got to Rome and I got a train ticket to Arezzo um and it's like a 3 hour train ride or something like that um so not too long but not short and I got on this train it's super crowded I've never been on a train like this before I've taken Amtrak but this train is one of those like straight up Harry Potter style with the <laughs> with the, the little rooms with six people mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I can't remember what they're called. Um, carriages, I guess. And there are all these people in, in the corridor. Um, those trains have the little thing you pull down so you can sit in the hallway. And they're crowded. And I'm moving through the train trying to find uh, a carriage that might have a seat. And I finally find one. And there is only one person in it. There are probably 40 people standing in the corridor each carriage on opposite sides of them is full and there's just this one person in that one so i sort of open the uh door and smile at her and she smiles at me and i sit down across from her Mm -hmm. she goes back to her knitting and i (laughs) stare out the window or something and this woman was a black muslim woman she had on a head wrap Mm. um and no one wanted to sit in the carriage with her except me 
That's why it was empty. Oh, my goodness. And nobody else came in for the entirety of my ride to Arezzo. Wow. So it was like, I thought like maybe it was because she had she had that sort of like incense smell. I, I don't know what it is um, that some people, especially from sub-Saharan Africa, uh, use as a cologne. I thought maybe that's why nobody wanted to sit with her. And then I thought back later and was like, no, it's because she was a black Muslim woman. Hmm. Um, it's not like I took any notice when I sat down. It was just like, oh, there's a free carriage. And hey, there's a black lady. This is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't really talk to each other because I was afraid of speaking, you know, like to anybody being first alone in a country that I didn't speak the, the language very well. for. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of smiled at each other every time our eyes met. So there was that. You know, I got off the train in Arezzo. She kept going wherever she was going. But then after that, I was always with the group or at least a few members of the group. Mm -hmm. Um, The one time we were in Florence and some of the people I was with wanted to go up to the top of the Duomo and I was hot and tired. And I was like, I'm not taking all of those stairs because that's the only way to get to the top of the Duomo. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to walk around to the old city. I'll come back in an hour and meet you guys. And, you know, there was there was this kind of weird guy who like sort of like followed me around and was like trying to take me somewhere. I don't know. He was like, mm. I like you. Do you like me kind of guy? And it was like, I'm just going to go over there. And then I, I found my friends at, at the Duomo and he disappeared. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, ah, I wasn't kidnapped today. Um, oh, but goodness, that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I took it in such stride while it was happening. I was like, there's just this guy who's walking across Florence with me. It's fine. Mm. <laughs> but now it's like, okay. Oh, stranger danger, Jess. Mm-hmm. Stranger danger. Um <laughs> But like, like I said, for the most part, it was like I was treated more like an American who had cash to spend than a black person. Mm. So it's, it's hard to like, there might be some situations where I wasn't served as well or quickly or whatever. But since I was with my richer white friends, um, mm. you know, it wasn't as big a deal yeah. or as noticeable, maybe. I see. Wow. I appreciate your your honesty and and um, sharing those things. Uh, I guess I'm still stuck on the the empty carriage on the train. That's so. That's. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, who knows? Maybe she would have been uh, glad just to have some peace and quiet. Maybe she didn't want to have a whole bunch of people around her on the train anyway. But still, that's like, oh man, yeah. that's so sad. That's so sad. I, I know, like this was like years ago, and you know, you haven't been back to Italy since uh, and I don't know how much you keep up with like Italian current events or goings on or anything like that but do you think mm-hmm. with the the racism that you experienced and the the things that you observed in Italy at the time that you were studying there do you think that is likely to have changed or improved at this point well actually you know what I don't even know if I can ask that question because now I'm thinking of like football players being called monkey and whatnot Mm -hmm. so maybe it hasn't changed i don't know but what do you think about that yeah i i i can't say that i think it's improved just from what i've seen it's gotten worse oh man and like i don't know if that's just sort of reflecting what's happening here in the states on what's happening there Hmm. but with the increase of um not just black directed but just like any brown directed racism especially because of like how many conservative parties they have who are like so anti-immigrant even though like there are people who are black and brown who have been there for centuries because Mm -hmm. it's italy there is a single body of water between them and the black continent (laughs) (laughs) right it's not that far (laughs) it's not that far <laughs> yeah. Um that's so true. It, yeah. <laughs> it it just seems like it's gotten so much worse in the past decade. I see. Dang, that 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 really sucks. That really sucks. Well, again, I appreciate your your honesty in that regard. Uh but you know, I don't want to 
make it sound like we're we're bashing Italy or anything. And obviously, there are good things that you you took away from your experience, right? Um, oh, totally. If I don't know if you if anything sticks out in terms of like you know the things that you liked most about your experience in Arezzo or in Italy more generally. You know, like on top of you know just ha- having that chance to learn a language without having to think of anything else. Um, and, you know, getting to know some people who are still friends years later, mm. the the ability to travel throughout the country was really, really great. Like I said, we kind of got there and slept. And then the next day, we just hopped on a train to Venice. Mm. And I had studied Venice already in classes. Since, as I mentioned before, um, early modern Italy was the track that I had selected for my major. Mm. And just being able to see all of that beautiful art and architecture that I had, I had read about and maybe sort of seen pictures of, but it's totally different when you're on the Vaporetto in the Grand Canal, wandering and looking and seeing all of these things. And I did not do any gondola trips. Um, I was kind of like afraid to get down to the water to get in them. Mm. Um, but it was, it was still like, it's a gorgeous city and I'm really sad that it's being affected by climate change so heavily. Um, but being able to just, uh, even when I was there, there was a bit of flooding. Like I was there when it was like at high tide, do not go to St. Mark's Square because there will be water. Mm. And now it's like, St. Mark's Square is always underwater. So oh, wow. it's just like just those 15 years have been, have really affected it. And the, the foundations of the city itself are slowly also sinking a little bit. So the combination of that and the rising waters is making it so like parts of the city are really like inaccessible and um, not quite unlivable for the residents there. Cause there is like a, it is a whole city full of, people who live and work there and it's not just the like five or six central tourist areas that we go to and we go but it's just like so much of that gorgeous history is being slowly deteriorated by water but it was such a great experience in 2005 and I'm glad I went and I even like Rialto is the big bridge that is one of the oldest standing bridges in Europe and Mm -hmm. They say the world, but it's like, I don't know what was happening in the non-Western places that we don't, we're not allowed to learn about in school. So oh. I'm just going to say in Europe. Um. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, that's, fair. that's probably more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there are some shops on Rialto that have been there since the city was like dedicated. And I bought this amazing handcrafted leather bound notebook that I still have not written a single letter in. Wow. <laughs> it's like, I've, I paid for this. I should use it. But then every time I touch it, I'm like, but it's, it's handmade. I should preserve it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but just like that, that was like a great way to start the six weeks there because it like it got me so energized for like being in Italy and learning the language even when we sort of wandered off of the beaten path and got lost and and one of our friends had to get a local to guide us back to the water bus so we could get back down to where you know the tourists were mm-hmm. sounds like a really nice start and I'm I'm glad you did get to have those experiences that might uh, look a little different or might not even be uh, available to someone who is trying to go to the same places now. As far as yourself personally, when it came to like progressing in Italian, because you said like the goal was to be able to have like a medium level, be able to communicate with like a medium level vocabulary by the end and then be able to continue building on that proficiency when you went back to university. So do you feel, oh, excuse me. Do you feel that um, you personally were able to improve to that level that you all were told that you should be able to get to? Um, do Do you feel like you were satisfied with your progress? I think I think I was. Like they they really worked hard to make sure that we 
were doing enough speaking that we would be really comfortable with it by the mm-hmm. end, even if we didn't have the vocabulary to have like a whole conversation with a native Italian, but we would be able to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we, we gave presentations at the end, like completely in Italian. So I ended up giving like a 15 or 20 minute presentation on like Lorenzo de Medici or, or one of the de Medici's. I can't remember. And it wasn't uncomfortable to do by the time we got there. Mm. You know, it was uncomfortable to give a presentation because I am not a presentation kind of person, mm. but it wasn't uncomfortable to speak and kind of figure out whole pages worth of language. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely think that it was a successful program in that way. Well, awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad that um, that was successful and, like that, you know, obviously was the focus um, at that time was you trying to experience Italy and learn the language and all that. And then, you know, time has gone on and obviously you've moved on to other things. But do you maintain any interest in in Italian language and culture? And do you try to stay connected to it in any way? Um, I definitely still have an interest. Like I, I don't read whole books about history and culture anymore but you know i'll definitely um watch a documentary or read an article or pretend like i'm going to read a book about it and then just read the wikipedia page instead (laughs) um and then i am not as good at the language as i was in college when i was speaking it regularly Mm -hmm. like the upper level classes are literature classes but you're you're conducting full classes in Italian. So even if you're talking about Dante, your conversation is in Italian and you're reading in Italian, and I don't have that anymore. Um, But Jhumpa Lahiri wrote a book a couple of years ago. She had been trying to learn Italian, so she wrote a whole book in Italian and had it translated into English by a translator from Italian. Like, she didn't translate it herself. She had it. So it's a side-by-side book. And I read it, but I don't know if I was able to read the whole thing in Italian. I think I did a lot of jumping across the page to make sure mm-hmm. a word was right and that kind of thing. So I still have a relatively good reading comprehension in Italian. Um, but like, I have to watch Summertime with subtitles too. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely, <laughs> I can't, I'm definitely not the type to be able to just follow a conversation anymore. Yeah. No, that is not me. Okay. I mean, that's all right. That's all right. I think it's, it's admirable that you still stay connected to, to Italy in some way, you know, in the ways that you can. Do you have any, Desire, I mean, sometime in in the future when it's less complicated, but do you have any desire to return to Italy or go somewhere else outside of the States? At some point in my life, I would definitely really like to, to travel more. I'm kind of leaning more towards going back to Italy than going to other countries. Although they're like, I'd love to, I'd love to see various countries where they speak English as a primary language Hmm. um you know like i've never been to england i've never been australia or new zealand Hmm. so there are so many places that i'd love to go but there are so many places that i missed in italy that i'm almost leaning towards going back just to have a couple days in rome and a couple days down south and that kind of thing Hmm. um but right now i'd love to go anywhere oh yeah (laughs) I've been hearing that a lot. Like, <laughs> just take me anywhere, anywhere. I want to go. Please, anywhere. somebody. <laughs> Get me out of here. Like, yeah, I, I hear that a lot. <laughs> I moved to a landlocked state. I want to go to the beach. And half the people who live in Arizona just go to Mexico. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> to, um, <laughs> Rocky Point to go to the beach or Cancun. Mm-hmm. Um, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just anywhere. I feel you. We'll definitely go back to Italy, but at this point, you know, you're ready to get out and go anywhere, which I feel like is a sentiment that a lot of people are feeling right now. So I, I get that. Um, oh, yes. Um, a question I meant to ask earlier was in terms of you, you know, going abroad for the first time. I mean, did you seek out any sort of guidance or did you feel like you needed, you know, encouragement from the people around you to feel prepared for this like new adventure 
And did you have any like um, concerns or did your family and friends have any concerns about you uh, going off to Italy? You know, I, I think I sort of dove into the idea of going um, mm. when the course was presented to my class um, as an option to do. But of course, you know, I, I definitely talked with people who had gone to Italy before. Um, one of my roommates had studied in Florence the year before. Most people did junior year abroad, but she was an art student and they had a special program in sophomore year. Mm. So I talked to her a lot and my mom was very like so proud that I was doing all of this cool new stuff, but also incredibly worried because yeah. I'm an only child. And oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and, you know, it's like going to college was enough. Now I was leaving the country. Mm. So, <laughs> so going back to that where I said, you know, like I didn't really figure out the phone card thing, so I didn't talk to her very much. Mm -hmm. um, but she learned very quickly from me when I went to college that no news was good news. So... <laughs> My family was, like, concerned about me being away and in a place that maybe wouldn't make itself comfortable for my existence as a black woman. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess she put her trust in my teachers to keep me safe. Yeah. Um, which they did pretty well. Yeah. So it was fine. It was, it was, it was fine. Like, I was, I like to call myself a capital J joiner. Like, I, I sort of jump into things without... Not not thinking about the consequences, but, like, without being like, oh, this could go badly. Uh, I'm just like, oh, that sounds great. Let me, I'm going to sign up for that. Let me go ahead and interview. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, because this was, like, since there were only 25 spots and there were probably 100 Italian students, we did have to, like, interview to get into the program. Oh, so, yeah. So you were, like, selected to participate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's good, then, that you don't have... Well, didn't worry too much about what might go wrong, you know, so. Yeah, I probably should have, but like, <laughs> I wasn't quite, I wasn't quite the anxious person I am now, so. Yeah. And I feel like maybe when yeah. you're younger, it's just easier to be less anxious. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but you know. <laughs> yeah, like I was still totally introverted. Like I only asked people questions, like trying to get around by myself if I really, really didn't know the answer. Yeah, yeah. But I usually sort of like figured it out because I didn't want to talk to people, especially in a language that I didn't speak fluently. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just one of those things where I was like, I'm going to figure it out because I have to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I may pivot slightly, um, we talked about you being like a book person and you mentioned how you mm -hmm. do when in romance and, and you also write romance too, right? Um, I haven't, I, I do in my heart, but oh. I haven't published anything <laughs> okay. that would be called a romance. No. Okay. But you're like, you know your stuff when it comes to the genre, I guess, um, as a whole, like, mm -hmm. you know, you know your stuff and you're very well versed in, in romance, right? Um, I and I actually was <laughs> I listened to I can't remember what episode it what it was called but I listened to one of the episodes of one in romance when you and your co-host were talking about a survey that you all did and the results mm -hmm. of that survey and I remember hearing y'all say that um <laughs> more people are reading romance <laughs> lately because it's of hard times and it's like a way of, mm -hmm. of escape or just trying to feel some sense of like joy or softness, which is like, oh yeah, I relate to that. Cause I too kind of started delving into romance more, uh, around like welcome. 2019 or so. You say welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. So it's been really interesting because I, that was a, a genre that I've always felt like I was too sophisticated for. And it's only in the mm. past couple of years that I've been really been willing to give it a chance and actually like enjoying some of the things that I'm, I'm finding. So I, I, I wanted to ask you, like, what would you advise in terms of giving romance a chance and being more open to what like the genre has to offer? Like someone who's just taking their baby steps into <laughs> reading <laughs> romance. What would what advice would you give them? Oh, gosh. Um the first thing I would say is dabble. 
because if you're definitely coming into romance, the thing about it is that like there are like 50 romances published every week or something like that. Mm. It's prob- maybe maybe it's not that much, but it might be um, because there are like seven or eight imprints and then there are so many more people who are self-publishing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and really picking up a book here, a book there to really f- figure out what you'd like is so key mm-hmm. because there's some people who think romance is just all of those regencies um, with Dukes. And it's like, well, yeah, that's a big category and it sells very well, but there's also contemporary and paranormal and science fiction and fantasy and all like if there is a genre that it exists there is a romance in it Mm -hmm. so like that's the that's the key thing to really figure out what you're looking for and then figure out what type of writing you like because sometimes i just want a bubblegum story where there is hardly any conflict Mm -hmm. um just two people falling in love and that's the story and sometimes i want something where there's an external conflict. There's, you know, the question that every romance novel has to answer is why can't they be together mm. and how can they resolve it? Yeah. So sometimes why can't they be, be together is like someone's trying to kill her. Um, and sometimes why can't <laughs> yeah. they be together is they all have their own crap to deal with and they have to deal with it before anybody can happily fall in love. Mm. So like if you want really internal angsty stuff, or if you want super bubblegum, just watch them fall in love stuff. If you want suspense where people are trying to like find a murderer, but also they fall in love in Antarctica on the run, you know, like there are so many different things that you can find that interest you. Mm-hmm. You just have to figure out where to start. Yeah. Uh, I, I really uh, appreciate how you um, explain that in terms of like how expansive romance actually is do you know what initially drew you to romance like what about it you like so much that has kept you engaged in it for so long you know i i like the journey and like the fact that i know that it's not going to disappoint me at the end Mm -hmm. is a really big draw like you know, I don't mind reading heavy books where somebody throws herself in front of a train at the end, but really, oh. <laughs> I want to read to enjoy myself. Yeah. So even if a story has a super angsty third act and you have no idea how the author is going to pull off these people finding their way back to each other and finding the growth and space to really, like, come back to each other in a healthy relationship at the end Mm. and they're happily ever after whatever that may be like i just love seeing how that story is gonna go um and it's really interesting because like i probably picked up my first romance when i was 11 or 12 because my mother reads them because they're easy to read Mm -hmm. and she has you know at the end of the day she didn't have a whole lot of brain power to do much so it's like romance novel And then I went a long time without reading them, but I was reading um, this really funny. I was reading a lot of Pride and Prejudice fan fiction in high school and college um, because I was I did a paper sometime in high school on Pride and Prejudice and the Internet led me towards fan fiction. And it was like, you know, it's always the same story. But how is someone going to tell it differently? Mm -hmm. Like we know all of the beats, but what are the ways in which the different storytellers are going to play those beats? So, and then that just sort of settled onto when I came back to romance a few years later and just like anything can be a romance novel as long as it follows the formula. Yeah. Um, and the only formula that there really is, is a central love story and a happily ever after. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just like seeing how various people play that. And, you know, like some people are just like, they can pull together the most amazing sentences without having to put you through a really depressing story about (laughs) someone who isn't sure where their life is going. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's like, I I love love stories. Like rom-coms are my favorite kind of film to watch. I have been sucked into K-dramas because of romance people (laughs) and uh, romance are my thing. So it's just like, if people are falling in love and they're still together at the end, that's that's all I want. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I like the way you put it in terms of like knowing that there is going to be a happy ending. You can like enjoy the ride without worrying if it's all going to come to an end or if it's all going to be ruined or taken away. You know, you can just like, mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm coming to see the, the, the value in that as well. Cause I think, you know, before, like 2019, I probably would have been like, well, if it's all the same, why do I want to read the same story over and over? But like you said, it's it's how they get there that makes the difference, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, this might be a long shot, but I just figured I'd ask. Um, do you think there's any connection between your interest in romance and the interest that you had and still kind of have in, um, in Italy? Because I know Italy is like characterizes this like romantic place do you think those interests those interests of yours are are connected in any way or are they like totally unrelated you know i think i think there's a a small connection and it's very very distant Hmm. um i mentioned that part of my interest in learning italian as a younger person was growing up with my grandma and watching and listening to opera and watching movies and like one of the core groups of movies that we would watch together were all like 1950s rom-coms, basically not, not quite rom-com as we know them now, but stories about, you know, the romantic tenor who was driving a truck and the, the wealthy heiress who wanted to learn to sing opera and they meet and clash and fall in love and Mm. sing songs in Italian and at the end, <laughs> at the end of the movie, they're together singing songs in Italian. And mm. you know, like not every movie was like that, but that's um, the movie that I'm describing is that Midnight Kiss, which is still one of my favorites. Um, oh, and nice. it's not like completely connected, but I love romantic stories in every medium. Mm-hmm. So um, while most of the rom- the stories in Italian that I grew up with, or about Italy, even. Um, had very tragic endings there's there might still be that connection of mm-hmm. like italian songs and my love of love stories so yeah. you know i can i can say that there is a a pin in in each of them that connects somewhere mm-hmm. um so it's not quite like a river but it is it is a map <laughs> i see no I, I got you yeah that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah Speaking on your Italian experience again, um, I'm wondering like, if you would have any advice for how you were able to afford participating in that program. You know, is there anything special that you did to be able to make that feasible? Um, definitely talk to your financial aid office if you are going to a university-based program that is connected to your university in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I got a little bit of support, but I will say that I, I think because it was outside of the purview of the school year, um, family helped out a yeah. little bit. You know, I think my, my mom talked to my like slightly more well off child free uncle. Um, <laughs> was like, she really wants to do this. Can you help out? Um, and also, don't be afraid to be like, she really wants to do this. Can you help out mm-hmm. if you are, if you want to travel or if you are a parent or guardian of someone who wants to do travel? Um, and you know, this was before GoFundMe and all of that stuff. Yeah. So it's not always going to be easy to to be able to pay for something like this mm-hmm. and like my mother didn't want me to pay for it out of pocket like i had been working since i was 14 mm-hmm. i might have been able to flush out my own savings to get there but then i wouldn't ha- have had any money while i was there yeah so she wanted to make sure that i was able to like spend my money wisely in italy eat meals buy gifts mm-hmm. you know buy books that kind of thing so there's also that make sure that you're not going there with no ability to not even feed yourself well, just feed yourself because mm-hmm. not every program is going to feed you for most of the time that you're there like mine did. Um, even if it was mostly just pasta and bread because our chef had to go home for a medical thing or something. Mm. <laughs> okay. 
you want to get there, but and be able to, well, like survive, right? And maybe enjoy your experience a little bit, you know, so you don't want to go there and not have anything. Um, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And then also, like more generally, do you have any, um, you know, advice or major takeaways that you would want to share with somebody who wants to study in Italy, like you did? You know, anything you can think of that you think you'd want someone to know? Definitely always plan ahead because that is going to make your experience so much more pleasurable. It's really great to be able to decide that you're going to go somewhere, buy a train ticket and go. But um, especially now with so much more access to the internet and being able to book rooms and things like that super far ahead of time without mm-hmm. having to call anybody. Um, <laughs> uh, like knowing where you're going and what you want to do and kind of what's there. Like I have far more uh, food sensitivities now than I did when I went 15 years ago. So like mm. know where to find the food that you can eat and uh, know, know when things open and close. Oh, it's a really good one because, yeah. like, you know, you want to go into a gorgeous church; it's always open. But like, you want to visit the the baptistry in Siena, and it's only open Tuesday through Thursday from one to four, mm. and you know that kind of thing. Um, and you know, nowadays people don't have this problem, but don't forget your camera was uh, a thing yes. that was. Because, like, um, you know, it had, you know, a cute little shiny silver digital camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, u- I was usually really good at taking it. But, like, I have a whole weekend in Florence and Pisa with no pictures of me because, mm-hmm. and, you know, you go to Pisa, you want at least one picture of you holding up the tower. But no, I forgot <laughs> my camera. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there was none of that. Uh... So I guess in, in modern times, charge your phone. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and take take adapters because most of the places you're going to be staying will still have European style plugs and oh, if yeah. you do not take adapters and extra chargers you are SOL as mm-hmm. far as your electronics go. That's so true. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's really important. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. I think I asked you everything all the questions that I had for you today. Is there anything that I might not have asked you about that you think you might like to share about studying in Italy or anything in relation to that? I guess one more thing I'll add about things that people should know about mm-hmm. it, which um, maybe wouldn't have been a question you would ask, but um, sort of remember what the culture is there. When I mentioned that we would, in the earliest, earlier days of being there, we would go into town forgetting that it was siesta. Like, there are some smaller towns and even places in the bigger cities mm-hmm. that will close for siesta. And you have to remember that that's a thing that you have to map into your day. Yeah. Um, and just, like, the little things, and like, tipping when you go to the bathroom in a public place or any of those like really weird things that someone might not have told you about because I think we we might have gotten a a little session um before the semester ended for those of us who were who were going to be part of this on little things that we should remember Mm -hmm. um but not everybody does that in preparation especially if you're going to a different university's program or if you're going to something that has a host family or something yeah so know what you're getting into, I guess, mm-hmm. is the the overarching advice that I have. Yeah. Obviously, you can't predict everything, yeah. but a little research goes a long way. Um, which, yes. Yeah, I guess ties into what you, you were saying. So, yeah, that's that's important as well. Okay, well, that's, like I said, that's all I had to ask um, in terms of your experience in Italy. I, once again, really appreciate your time um, listening to you, especially your insight about romance. You know, I'm still uh, <laughs> I'm still kind of like fresh and new into the genre. I'm, I'm, you know, very recently just let my guard down in that regard and put aside all my preconceptions um, 
and I'm, you know, giving it an earnest try. Uh, so I appreciate hearing you talk about that as well. Or did you, did you have something you were going to say? I was just going to say thank you for this experience. It was really great to reminisce because there's so much stuff. And then like, as you were, you were talking, it was like, oh, I didn't even talk about that. And I did. So it's like, <laughs> now I get to like sort of live in, in that little world of, for a few. And I'm of course going to dig around in my photos because I think they're all still on this hard drive, but it's been okay. like three computers since then. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> all right. I hope you have fun digging through. <laughs> Through your through your photos and those and those memories, yeah. But um, yeah, it was a pleasure. You're you're very welcome, and and I again thank you for being a guest. This was uh, really enjoyable, and um, I'm excited to have all this come together. Me too. <laughs> and also, and feel free to hit me up anytime you want romance recommendations or have any romance recommendations because. I am so behind on my reading. I need people to sort of tell me what to read. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, to date, I think I've only really uh, read like three or four. (laughs) Like I have to settle on something I think I'll really like. And then once I do, I take my time with it. And so I don't know if. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, I guess That's a good way to do it. Yeah. So I don't know how many recommendations I would have for you that you wouldn't already know. But um, yeah, I'll have to think on that and, and hit you up about that. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> was there anything else? Oh, I guess not. Um, just, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that you get to live this like bookish life. And I just hope everything continues to to go well with that <laughs> much appreciated um and yeah it's it's getting pretty late for you so um i hope you have a good night and are able to go to bed soon oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> okay all right well uh be in touch um you take care okay <laughs> you too all right bye jessica Bye. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Jessica for being such a wonderful guest. And I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And also don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to Young, Gifted, and Abroad wherever podcasts are, and you are welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So, for the next episode in two weeks... The guest is going to be someone who has been a teacher for many years, over a decade now, and who has taken high school students on multiple educational trips to various places around the world. So you can hear all about that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.